I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined. As always, by my co-host, writerofmaps.com. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? All right, Nick. Predict the score for the Beijing Ducks oh, man. versus the Dallas Mavericks. Holy cow. This is this is hard stuff. I'm going to go 112 for the Mavericks to uh, 98 for the Beijing Ducks. Ooh, that's tough. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, 98 to uh, 76, the Mavericks. Mavericks are wanting to play faster, man. They're wanting to play faster. You want to give a scouting report on the Beijing Ducks? I will after I watch them for the first time on Saturday. I think we we could do it right now. They have a really good post-up game, right? No, stop it. Don't do this. I was going to go along with it for like five minutes and see it like without us mentioning any names. Just talking about how much they like to get up and down the court. Yeah. Their coaching staff is tough, really underrated. Tough, hard-nosed, di- disciplined defensive team. They like to really get after the ball. And that, I mean, they're they, missing, they get they're missing for their that best line. playmaker, though. Like It, it just seems like they're they have a, they're missing a, a superstar guy that they've built their team around, and they're missing him for some reason. They really like rebounding, but they can shoot the ball from the outside really well. Uh, if 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 they can just get everybody clicking at the same time, they set really good screens, like <laughs> brick wall screens. All right, if you're listening to this and you're curious as to why we're not talking about Harrison Barnes' injury and Jimmy Butler rumors that came out on Thursday, go ahead and go back through the the podcast feed wherever you listen to this and check the other podcasts. We do- dropped two today. One of them talking all about Harrison Barnes' injury and Jim, Jimmy Butler rumors. This is not that podcast. This is the DeAndre Jordan preview podcast. We will talk all about DeAndre Jordan. We already talked about those other two topics, so go check out that other podcast. Listen to both. We uh, just split it up for uh, monetary reasons. <laughs> all right. Today we're going to be talking about DeAndre Jordan. We have the preview, uh, the player preview up on Mavs Moneyball that I wrote and you can go check that out as well on Mavs Moneyball. All kinds of good stuff about DeAndre Jordan. And uh, we're going to talk about the biggest question for DeAndre Jordan and the best and worst case scenarios for DeAndre Jordan. I have a whole bunch of stats, a bunch of stats that I couldn't even put in the piece because I got so many. And so we'll talk about all of those on the podcast right now. Isaac Harris, let's start it off. What's your biggest question for DeAndre Jordan this season? Man, this one is really hard because... We talked about, you know, we started off with Luca, and then we went to Dirk. And then our past two player previews have been Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes, which go back and listen to those four. That I really enjoyed doing those, and they're good podcasts. Yeah, they were. Um, but with Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes, it's like, oh, man, we kind of know what we're going to get, kind of. Um, especially with Wes Matthews, like, man, this is really set in stone of, like, this is what we're going to get. He's going to defend. He's going to shoot threes. This best case, work case, whatever. Uh, with DeAndre, I feel like it's kind of the similar case of this is what you're going to get. Like He's going to catch lobs. He's going to rebound the heck out of the ball. And that's going to be kind of his his role. And uh, 
outside of that and just anchoring down this defense and we'll talk about his like blocks and stuff uh at some point in the pod but biggest question for me uh really it comes down to two things but the biggest one it's not even a statistical thing and it's not even really like i don't even know if you want to say it's performance based but will he and this kind of goes together Will he be a Maverick past the trade deadline? Slash, is he the center for the future? It's a good question, uh, and a tough question. It's uh, it's one that I brought up in the piece. You know, he's in a contract year. Does a contract year affect his season this year? And you know, if he f- comes to find out that he's not going to be on this team, or he doesn't feel like he's gelling with this team, if the team starts losing. If the team starts, you know, dipping into the lottery and they're not good, does he request a trade or demand a trade by, you know, or the Mavericks try to trade him just to try to get something for him, you know, by the trade deadline? It's a, it's a big question surrounding him uh, this season. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. So like he has this, you know, it's this one year rental, this one year tryout basically yeah. that, you know, it took three years to get him basically. And now we have him. And now it's like, hey, we get this one year and we're going to pay you all this money for this one year to see if this marriage is going to last longer than this one year. And could that end at the end of the season? Could we're, that end at the trade the line? Mavericks are professionally dating DeAndre Jordan. Professionally dating. Uh, it is MySpace official. Uh, it is Facebook come on, official. Come on. It, it it's Tinder official. <laughs> Tinder official. They both swiped right. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised you, right got, I'm sorry you got that right. <laughs> um but uh but with deandre you know with him signing over summer he can't be traded until january so depending on where the team's at depending on how he's performing and everything you know they're gonna go into the trade deadline at february and it's gonna be kind of it's kind of be a weird spot for them because they're gonna have two huge expiring contracts with with wesley matthews and deandre jordan and so much will be around that around that deadline for the Mavericks of, you know, with DeAndre. And I'm not, I don't even look at it of saying, hey, he might leave, so let's try to get something from him. I look at it from a situation as they got to ask themselves, is he our center for the future? Because yeah. I think he'll be playing well. I think he'll be great. But is there a center? Is there a center out there for a team like a competing team, like a playoff team? that is locked under contract that maybe that team wants to clear up cap space for that upcoming summer, but still compete at the same time to where they, you know, to where the Mavericks and them make some type of deal like that. For instance, uh, this, like I've been on this for a while, I was throwing this out there of like, let's say it's Steven Adams and OKC. Let's say OKC says we want to clear up cap space this summer to chase another like person or whatever it is, but they still want to compete this like this season. And they look at it and say, all right, let's do some type of deal around Steven Adams and DeAndre. Still lets them compete this season, but it clears up a, a ton of cap space this summer for them to chase maybe somebody else or whatever. If the Thunder got rid of that like $22 million in in salary, do they even have cap space? I don't even think they have cap space if they do that. I don't know, but I'm just using that as, as an example. They like, do you understand? Like Next that year, it, they have their guaranteed contracts, $143 million. Okay, that's not a bad this example, season, but like, but yeah, I get, I get what ba- you're saying, but yeah, that's not gonna happen for them. <laughs> yeah, like a, a situation like that, like a situation like Hassan Whiteside, but it wouldn't even be yeah. worth that at that point because I wouldn't want Whiteside. Them too, that. they have the highest but, salary in the league. <laughs> okay, so but that t- <laughs> that type of uh, of roster makeup uh, trade to where 
Dallas would be like, okay, well, that person could be our centerpiece of the future and not even have to play around with free agency. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that I think it's going to go well. I think they're going to uh, hold on to DeAndre and Wes and pass the deadline and go from there because we both think the team will be doing well. So obviously the team's not doing well, then everything's on the table at that point. But that's my biggest question is can he prove this season – that he's he warrants another bigger contract this next summer to where he can stay in Dallas for the next you know two or three years. It's a good question. That's not my question. My question has more to do with sort of the whole point of this season in uh, in Dennis and Luca. And I'll ask that question coming up next, right after the break. right after the break. Right after this. All right, Isaac. My question, my biggest question surrounding DeAndre Jordan this season, how much easier does he make life for Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic? It's what I wrote about on the Mavs Moneyball preview. Uh, I think that's what it's all about. He is here for this one this one single season, and this, this season is just be, because he's not around for longer than that, it's, you know, how much easier can he help the guys that are going to be around, <laughs> that are going to be here for the long term? Uh, especially for this season. How can he help the transition for Luka? How can he help Dennis going into his next year? How can he obviously erase defensive lapses that they have? How is he going to do that? That That's my question for him. Is And I think everybody else's questions should be surrounding those guys too. Yeah, and that, that was the kind of a conversation from media day in the first days of camp of, you know, ASFCO or whoever just asking him questions of, hey, about this, uh, do, about him being back there on defense, and that allows the perimeter players to – play up tight and uh we you know there's different ways to take that you can take that of saying oh man it allows uh, harrison and west matthews and even like dennis or something to play up tight play more aggressive uh, on ball defense but there's also another way to take it like you just said and does it help out you know somebody like luca that is not you know the the greatest you know wing defender in the league and does it help somebody like that out his block numbers get thrown out a lot, and I'm sure you have some stats on that. Um, yeah, yeah. Let, let's go to that. Um, so his because there's this perception that hey, DeAndre jumps high, he catches alley oops, he's a big center, so therefore logically he's a big shot blocker, <laughs> and that statistically over the past season or two, and even his that whole career, he's never really been a huge shot blocker. Like his highest per. You know his highest per game. You know in a season is two point five, which is not massive. Like Serge Ibaka is doing three point seven. You know, Gobert does. You know does a lot too. And so, uh, being like that rim protector doesn't necessarily equal you know these huge block shot numbers anyway. Yeah, and I also have so like so looking at DeAndre's career, the last last year he averaged point nine blocks per game, and when you start looking at uh, players. Uh, is that bad? Is that good? Or whatever it is. If you look at the, so I looked up today. This is one of the only like deep dives I did on DeAndre because I know you have a ton of, uh, you have a ton of DeAndre stats. But I looked at block, you know, leaders for last year as far as at blocks per game. Do you know how many players averaged more than two blocks per game last season? I'm gonna go four, three. Oh, I was close. Rudy Gobert at 2.3. Davis. Porzingis, if you want to say he counts when he only played 48 games, at 2.4. Yeah. 
and Anthony Davis led the league at 2.6. Those were the only three players that averaged over two blocks per game. DeAndre, at, at throughout his career, has averaged over two blocks per game. One, two, three, four times. <laughs> so, like, it's there, and it's not like, you know, he's... I just think sometimes, I think this stat gets overblown some. Now, if you want to look at it and say, okay, DeAndre averaged .9 blocks per game last year. Where does that rank on uh, players in the league? He ranked 49th in blocks per game. <laughs> so there are a lot of crazy players above him that, uh, like, David West averaged a block per game. Uh, and DeAndre <laughs> did not. <laughs> John Wall averaged 1.1 blocks per game. Salah Mezri averaged 1.1 blocks per game. Uh, so the stat is at least there as far as it does mean something. And I know you have some really cool stats to counter that as far as him getting pulled away from the basket and stuff. Yeah, it, It'd be cool. It is, Do you see how? It is a question, it is a question for DeAndre. Uh, it's also there's, – there's a few factors that go into that, I think. Um, he was never like a huge shot blocker anyway. And I also think that – um, not having Chris Paul, I think, helps. It helps him make his case because I think Chris Paul funnels players to DeAndre and helps in that way. He's a very smart defender in that way. Uh, but one of my stats, I tweeted this the other day. DeAndre's blocks per game have gradually dipped over the last couple of years. Here's one of the reasons. And I tweeted out, you can go at Nick Van Exit, you can go look at this. His uh, field, goal, field goal attempts defended per game. Inside of 10 feet, so 10 feet and closer to the basket. In 2013-14, it was all the way at 10.6. So he's defending 10 and a half shots per game inside the 10-foot mark and in. So this is all around the basket. This is where a lot of blocks are coming. Nobody's getting blocks outside of, like, in the mid-range. You know, that just doesn't really happen that often. Then it goes down a shot and a half a game in 2014-15. So he's defending one and a half shots less inside that 10 foot mark and he's not playing less you know he's playing the exact same amount he's super durable i have have another stat a crazy stat about how durable and how much he's played over these last like eight years so it goes down another a game and a half that next year in 2014-15 2015-16 goes down again another half shot attempt per game so we're down to 8.5 and the next year it's 7.3 and then last year deandre jordan only defended 6.3 shots within that 10 foot range so it went all the way from 10.6 to 6.3 in just those four per years. game per game right. yeah yeah per game that he's defending so that there's a lot less opportunity there for him to block shots and then if you look at the amount of three-point attempts that he's you know guarding per game in 2014-15 it was 1.5 and then it was 1.3 the next year, then 1.9, then 2.7, then 2.6. So over the course of four years, he's stepping out and defending one more shot per game outside the, the three-point line. And, uh, you know, I didn't really look at the, you know. That's a testament to the small ball movement. It is a testament to small ball movement. testament to guys like Towns, like freaking Towns and Porzingis. He's having to guard yeah. those guys and stepping outside. And even a guy like Marcus Gasol is this huge, mm-hmm. you know, kind of plotting big man that is now stepping out and shooting threes. So guys like DeAndre are getting pulled out even farther. It's the it's the whole point. And even he guarded Dirk a lot. <laughs> he guarded Dirk all the way out to the three-point line. So he's guarding him out there too. 
Uh, it's the whole point of having a stretch five or this, you know, these stretch bigs that we want is to try to pull the big away from the basket. And it's working, you know, for DeAndre's case in the whole, this is a season as a whole. This is not just against one team or against one conference or whatever. So that's one of the reasons why I don't think that's the main reason why, but I think that is one of the reasons why that maybe his block numbers are, have dipped a little bit, but in saying that his block numbers have dipped, that's not the only way that we can tally up, you know, and, and assesses defense if you look at the synergy numbers and well i just want to talk about that i just want to mention one thing with the block saying real quick because people have thrown this out a lot when i say the the best defensive anchor in dallas mavericks history who do you think of (laughs) tyson chandler tyson chandler tyson chandler sean marion but go ahead (laughs) (laughs) let's just keep for tyson chandler for (laughs) conversation purpose tyson chandler has this you know People, when I when I think of Tyson Chandler, I'm like, oh my gosh, the perfect compliment to Dirk Nowitzki, the defensive anchor yeah, in the set, you know, the in the middle, you know, all this different stuff. Tyson Chandler for his career averages 1.2 blocks per game. Yeah, the most blocks he ever averaged in a season was in 2005 for Chicago when he averaged 1.8 blocks per game. In 2011, the year that they won the championship, he averaged. 1.1 blocks <laughs> per game. Yep. So that is 0. 0.2 blocks higher than what DeAndre averaged last year. And that's and he has that perception, you know, Tyson as this like I didn't I didn't know that when I first looked that up. When I looked it up because of my mindset of that year and it's like, "Oh my gosh, Tyson just anchored that defense and all this stuff." And he did, but it's kind of like where Nick's going to transition now. It's it's more than blocks per game, and I'm only using this stat because I've heard a lot of people throw this out there and be like, "Oh my gosh, DeAndre's block numbers, there's this horrible. Is he really a defensive anchor?" And like, "Can he be that because he just doesn't block shots and stuff like that?" Reminder, Tyson Chandler only averaged 1.1 blocks per game <laughs> during the championship season. So, And we view him as this like crazy you know, shot-blocking anchor and all that stuff. I, there's, it's more than those numbers. I think there's a lot about presence that has to do with a, a, a player like DeAndre or like Tyson Chandler. You know that the guy's there. You have the, you know, you, you, your whole point is to try and throw floaters up over him or go around him or try to avoid get, you know, the block at all, t- at all times because – if you get blocked, that's embarrassing, and also you're not scoring. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's the the whole idea is you're you're thinking about that player and the whole time that you're going through. It's almost like a pitcher when they, uh, or it's almost like a batter when he tries to steal second, and the pitcher now has to turn and try to do that pickoff play at at first base. It's not that play is not necessarily about the the uh, the batter stealing second base. It's more about just getting in the pitcher's head. And having it, making him think about something else while he's trying to do something, yeah. Uh, and it's different, you know, pitchers' defense, uh, offense, scoring, whatever. But like, it's that same concept of if Dennis Smith Jr. is going to the basket, he knows DeAndre's there. It's all hearing he's hearing those footsteps behind him, and he, you know, might get it into his head and try something different and try something crazy and it, try a lower percentage shot than he would have if you know if somebody else was was there that was not as good of a defender. Even though DeAndre Jordan may have not had a specific you know, physical effect on that play. You know, he wasn't there deflected or, or something, put it even put a hand in his face. His presence, I think affects that too. So you have guys that know that Deandre is there at, at this point. And so I think that affects it too. Uh, at some point you're just, you're just trying to avoid getting blocked. Um, so 
if you don't have anything else to say about that, we will move on to his uh, his synergy numbers. So, um, man, <laughs> he's very good in a lot of different categories. The synergy stats. Hey, give me those post up numbers. The synergy, yeah. Synergy, uh, on defense, his synergy stats they uh, they have this ra- this rating that goes from poor to excellent, and it has below average, average, very good, good in there, like all mixed in there, obviously. Um, in defending the pick and roll, he was ranked very good. He did this on 608 possessions last year. That's that's a lot of possessions. That's a ton of possessions. And uh, and he defended the pick and roll. He was very good when he was rated and graded according to other bigs and how they defended pick and rolls. On post-ups, whenever he was defending a post-up, he did this 71 times last year. He was ranked excellent. So if anyone tries to post-up DeAndre one-on-one, which didn't even happen once a game because that would be very difficult for anybody to try to you know attempt, but uh, he was ranked excellent in that. And then in defending spot-ups, he was, very, he was ranked very good in that as well. Um, the only real significant category where DeAndre didn't score good or above was defending isolation. Uh, and I think I put this in the piece. He did that on 11.2% of his time. And so that's not a ton. And this is kind of where you get you know, the switches, that kind of stuff. He was ranked below average on that. And you would sort of expect that, you know, if he's getting switched out on like James Harden, you know, or guys like that, you'd kind of expect yeah. him to not be super good at that because he would just be, I don't know, Giannis <laughs> at that point if he was yeah. defending that very good. So all those stats to me say and all those rankings – say that he is still a very effective defender, even though he's not blocking shots. No, and yeah. that's exactly what we were talking about a while ago. It's it's more than just the block shots numbers. So don't get too overwhelmed when you say, oh my gosh, he didn't even average a block per game. It's okay. You impact defensively in other areas. And if you And and I think that will go up too. Like in this new system, all this stuff. Like we'll talk about in the in a little bit, best case scenario. And I'll give you the stat line that I think he could hit this year and i think he'll definitely be over one so oh for sure for sure we'll uh we'll talk about that and if you want to talk about his defensive field goal percentage so this is a stat that nba.com does where it's a percentage of you know people take shots against you and you defend them how often do they succeed um among centers last year with at least 10 you know field goal attempts a game defended he ranked in 2015-16 he ranked third among all centers they qualify for that. And the next year he ranked fourth. And then last year he ranked eleventh. So last year was kind of was a down year for it was a down year for all Clippers stuff. Um but yeah. he was still, you know, top ten in top basically top uh, eleven in the in the league as far as centers defending um just in general, defending anywhere. Uh, so if you care about that stat, I don't put a lot of stock into that stat, but he's still he still ranks very highly, which means he's doing something right. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you know it's not an all encompassing stat, but so there you go. That's a uh, a lot of the defensive stuff on DeAndre Jordan. He's got a a lot a lot going for him, and he's still very very good. So don't worry about that. The things that people say are right. Um, <laughs> another question. Well, all right. Let's get to your. Uh, we'll get to your stat line, and then we'll talk about we'll talk about best case and worst case scenario because I think. My next thing goes along with that. So let's take a break real quick, and when we come back, we'll talk about what stat line we think DeAndre Jordan should get, and then we'll do our over-under on DeAndre Jordan. All right, Isaac, give me the stat line you think DeAndre Jordan should get. We'll, we'll, we'll just focus on the, the... Should we do worst-case scenario first? You want to... Does this have to do with his... the stat line have to do his best, best and worst case, or...? I have a best... I, well, his stat line that I think will be his best-case scenario... But we can talk about stat line that I think he can hit. 
All right, let's do his worst case scenario first because I don't have a ton on this. Yeah, we always just roll through this. Hack of Jordan happens a lot, and that pisses me off. That's a worst case scenario because that would be miserable to watch. The thing about that, the Hack of Jordan thing, and I have a stat on this I didn't get to put in the piece. He's gotten better. His free throw percentage, this is his free throw percentages over the last four years. In 2014 15, 39.7% from the free throw line. In 2015 16, he was 43%, so he raised that. And then 2016 17, which is not last year, but the year before. 48. His all-star year. He has all-star year. 48.2% from the free throw line. And then last year, 58% from the free throw line. That's a whole basically <laughs> 10 percentage points higher. So he, But he also went about 20% of drinks higher from you know three, years, three or four years ago. So he's gradually increased every single year. Also, his attempts have decreased. Listen to this. In 2015-16, he attempted eight free throws per game. That summer, in July, the NBA added the new hack-a-shack rule where you can't do it within the last two minutes of a game. His free throw attempts went down from 8 to 5.2. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's exactly where it's coming from. And then last yeah. year, he only attempted four you know, free throw attempts per game last season. So it, it seemed like, at least for DeAndre, if we're taking that stat as you know the reason why his free throw attempts went down, it kind of worked. <laughs> you know, yeah. And we didn't see it as much last year, I don't think. Uh, still worst case scenario. Um, people want to try to hack him and he misses. It could still happen during a game, just not yeah. the last two minutes. <laughs> that would suck. Um, worst case scenario, like he he just can't close games at that point. Yeah. Like I know it's under two minutes, but like even then, at that point, you're like, oh okay, well I just don't like. But the Mavs have a closer on the bench, though. This is the good thing about about having the Mavs and Dirk coming off the bench is that if if DeAndre Jordan can't close games, you have Dirk that can close games for you. Yeah, and it gives you that middle reliever type of thing that, based off who you're playing, that you could throw him in there. Yep, um, it's just a completely different team at that point. But <laughs> yeah, that's really the only thing I have for worst case. For me, it would have to be either a massive injury thing. We see his athleticism start to slip. Like he's a 30 year old big man that relies on athleticism. Uh, if you if you watched him last year, you know he's still got it. It's not like he's yeah. you know it's not like we saw any real massive slippage. But for big man, it kind of goes down in a hurry, and uh, so it'd have to be something like that, or it'd have to be like some kind of locker room chemistry kind of thing, where you know a Jimmy Butler, you know, worst case, <laughs> break glass in case of emergencies type situation. So that that'd be the only worst case scenario for me if something like that happens, or if he takes the contract year thing seriously, he sees that he's thirty years old, he sees that the writing is kind of on the wall, and then he tries to you know post up a little bit more. Uh, I don't think I. Oh Lord, no! You want me to tell you his post up numbers because they're. Oh yeah, they're really give it a, give it to me. All right, let me see if I can find them real quick. I didn't have them pulled up right in front of me, but I have them up if you want me to. Um. All right, his <laughs> post ups per game last year he was ranked poor. This is that's the worst rating you can get, and he only attempted point seven per game. The year before he only attempted point eight, and the year before that point six. A t- shot post up attempts per game, like he just doesn't even do one a game, essentially. Um, I've nine percent of his time, <laughs> yeah, he of his scoring. He basically dunks, and that's kind of it. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of different ways you can set up a dunk, but it, he just basically dunks. Point point six points per possession, by the way. DeAndre just Jordan made two hundred and thirty three shots last year, or three hundred three hundred and seventy three shots last year. 212 of those were dunks. <laughs> so, 
That's like two it's thirds awesome. of his shots were dunks last year. All right, can't wait um, to watch that. Best case, let's go. Let's move on to best case scenario, and we'll end it with this: uh, the, be- the whole best case idea, and then we'll do the stats and all that. Um, best case scenario, he's gonna bring rebounding. We know that. We know that that's a definite. We know for sure that he's bringing rebounding. Listen to this stat. I don't know if I shared this with you off the pod or on the pod recently, but I, I need to share it here. Since 2008-2009, when DeAndre Jordan entered the NBA, the Mavericks, as a franchise, have had a player get 20 rebounds in a game seven times. DeAndre Jordan has got 20 rebounds in a game 53 times in that span. That's insane. That's that's crazy. The Mavericks have only had a player get 20 rebounds by himself seven times. The Mavericks, in that time since DeAndre Jordan entered the league, have had a player get 15 or more rebounds 74 times in that span. DeAndre Jordan has gotten 15 or more rebounds in a game 183 times. That's more than double the the amount of times that he's gotten 15 more rebounds. Last year, the Mavericks had a game where they had like 24 rebounds. DeAndre Jordan had a a game where he had more than that um, three times (laughs) by himself. (laughs) That's crazy. He he's bringing that, and the Mavericks have almost never had this. I added this in the piece, and I actually haven't gone back and read it. I don't know if it stayed in the article after getting edited, but the Mavericks haven't had a guy that averaged more than fourteen and a half, I think, rebounds per game ever. And the guys that got closest to that number, do you want to guess who are the two players that got closest to fourteen and a half or fifteen and a half. rebounds per game with the Mavericks. In franchise history. In franchise history, yeah. Who do you think they are? Tarpley, Donaldson. Roy Tarpley is one of them. He was the highest, I think. It's like fourteen something for him. And then there's another player that you will almost never guess, but he's one of the greatest rebounders in NBA history. I don't think Rodman was with us that long. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> was it Dennis Rodman was it? 12, <laughs> twelve games? <laughs> oh my gosh, Tarpley he qualified. Year, it was only like forty three games. So DeAndre That's Jordan's going to fly up that list for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to easily be the the leading, you know, rebound getter per game in Mavericks history. Let's just say there's so many losses last year that as soon as you walk in the press conference room, they hand out like stat sheets to everyone and Rick Carlisle always gets it and he gets it to the podium he and he at, like, glances he looks at, at it rebounds, and stuff. turnovers and plus yeah, minus. and it's always in plus minus. <laughs> and Almost every single time I felt like I looked at the paper, it was like the rebound about was like twenty rebounds. Yeah, off. it was like fifty-eight like, to thirty something. You're like, oh, geez. yeah. And he, like he would just mention, I feel like this is a broken record. Him mentioned all the time, and that shouldn't be the case now. So super happy. <laughs> so the about rebounding that. is in the best case scenario. Uh, his durability, Isaac. This this is remarkable. This is my favorite part about DeAndre. In 640 available games over the last eight years, DeAndre Jordan has played in 627 of those. He has only missed 13 games in the last eight years, and he has averaged 30 minutes a game in all those years. Um, and I That's honestly remarkable. didn't even, just to be honest, full full disclosure, I didn't even go back and check to see if any of those were just straight up rest. <laughs> you know, yeah. like some of those could have been, you know, he got sat because they're about to be in the playoffs or whatever, just a back-to-back kind of night or something. He's only missed 13 games, you know, in the last eight years. He is, he is very durable. The Mavs have only had one center play 80 or more games in a season in that span. The center that has That's played crazy. the most games for the Mavericks in the last just looking at the in the last eight years. 
the last six years, last year he missed five games. Year before, yeah, one one game. Year before that, five games. And then from 2012 to 2015, he didn't miss a game. He played 82, <laughs> 82. games for three straight years. It's insane for somebody his size and like just what he does on the basketball court. So 82 games a year for eight years is 640 games. Well, no, uh, minus the one year of the lockouts of the 66 games um, is 640 games. In that span, the last eight years, the center for the Mavericks that has played the most games, except besides Dirk, is Salma Mejri with 168 oh, games played. <laughs> Rick mentioned Rick casually mentioned the other day. I was like, "Man, it's crazy. This is uh, this is gonna be Salah's fourth year here." I know it's wild. It doesn't seem like he's been here that long. I, like I feel like it was yesterday. He beat Sam Dallenberry out for that camp spot. <laughs> is he like forty five now? <laughs> I don't know. So DeAndre for sure bringing defense, rebounding, durability. He's gonna be there. Best case scenario. Okay, this is the last stat that I have for you. Uh oh, the Mavericks. Last year, in defensive rating, were ranked 18th in the NBA while still being a terrible, terrible team. The year before that, when they were still a pretty bad team, ranked 15th in defensive rating, and the year before that, they were 16th. So they've had hmm. a, a decent defense over the last three years. Last year, every team in the top 10 in defensive rating made the playoffs. Nice. If the Mavericks can make it into the top 10 in defensive rating, that definitely ups their chances to be able to make the playoffs this year. And I think DeAndre can do that. Do you think he can pull a team into the top 10? Um, that's that's my last thought that I want to talk about DeAndre, and I think that that's definitely possible. Now, in, pe- I'm in surprised past years, how many- other teams have been in top 10 and haven't made the playoffs. But last year, it just so happened that all 10 of them did make it. And defensive rating is like defensive efficiency. So how how efficient is your team at stopping the other team from scoring, essentially? It's not points per game. It's not that stuff. It's, you know, yeah. a one number that's, you know, adjusted for pace and all that stuff. And I'm sure before the regular season starts, after we do these player previews, we'll do like maybe like a team season preview. And we'll like talk about the playoffs and like the West or whatever. And I'm just, I've been kind of surprised about how many people are just automatically counting Dallas out. Of like, just, I was talking to a lot of media the other day before practice, and one prominent media guy was just like, not happening. And it's like, hmm, it's interesting that you just like immediately counted out. Like, I understand not saying, I just don't, I can't, right now, I just feel like you can't say either way. I think they're just on that brink of like, we've seen they crazier could. things happen in the NBA. That's my problem with, with talking like yeah, that. Yeah, like I just, I, they're not an automatically count out team for me. So like, that's the thing. But I'm not saying it's 100% happening. They're the sixth seed either. But I just, they're just not, I don't think you can immediately count them out right now. But um, can we do our, what we think his stat line might be yep, for this let's season? Let's do it and we'll end. Slash over under. Max Levy, bro, if you DM me one more time, we're going to rumble, man. Uh, he's sending me Chris Middleton stats. Um, but anyway, so question. Um, last year, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan averaged 12 points per game. Yeah, he did. Do we, yeah, he did. Uh, um, for his stat line for next – for next season i think i think he stays around that i don't think it goes like up down it might in fact if i had to pick one i think it might go down a little bit 
But here's the thing with DeAndre. I think he'll hover around 12. He's the he's like one of the few players in there to where like he's going to get his buckets. Like his buckets won't change. Yeah. Like there's there's a scenario in which like Wesley Matthews, his shots will go down. Or there's a scenario in which like Harrison's stats might go down because Luca's here. Or like Dennis might, you know, fluctuate. Luca like those guys together will fluctuate each other. Like I could see their stats impact each other. DeAndre's stats like will be there. Yeah, his like, shots the per lobs game are not contingent on anybody else's shots per game. The lobs will be thrown, and like his rebound and offensive putbacks, we talked about the other day. Um, what was it on Synergy? Twenty eight percent of the time that he scored was offensive rebounds. So like that was two hundred and thirty nine times last year was on offensive rebounds. So he's gonna get those. He's gonna get put. You know, get the putbacks and all that stuff. So I think he stays around the 12, 12 mark. Uh, just for note, the most points he's ever averaged in a season is 12.7. And that was um, his all-star season and the year before that, just two or three years ago. So he's he's hovered around this 12 mark for the past three three years. And so I think he stays around that for points. I want him to go back to, if I had to pick a season, I want him to go back to the 2014-15 Clippers DeAndre. Mm. 11.5 points. 15 rebounds, um, 70 and 71% from the field. So, like, last year he averaged 15 rebounds. So, like, my and 25% perfect... from three. <laughs> um, last year he shot, like you said, he shot 58% from the free throw line. And last year he shot um, from the field goal range. He shot 64% from field goal range last year from the field. I know I keep on saying field goal range, but... Uh, from the field. So here's my stat line that I want DeAndre and I think he'll be at this year. 12 points, 15 rebounds, 60% from the free throw line. Let's hit Let's that 60 it. mark. Let's get there. You're at 50 last year. Let's hit 60, Let's get 60. And, and get back to 70% from the field. Yeah. So then, do you want to set over under? Because I left the blocks for last. Do you want to set our over under for DeAndre on blocks or rebounds? Ooh, or free throw percentage. Nah, huh? We could. At the what, end of the which year, one I'm you like want to set at? For him to get to miss free throws. You like miss, miss, miss. Um, I think the free throw percentage is more interesting. Are you gonna take under sixty? Because I'll take over sixty. You take over sixty? Well, sixty or over. Sixty or over. Yes. So it'd be uh, you take like sixty point one. You take the over. Yes, or over. Or no, no, 59.9, you take the over. Yes. You're going to take the under? Yeah, I'll take the under. Okay. Not that I don't want him to, obviously. <laughs> for for blocks per game, I think this is the year he gets back uh, to uh, what he did for those three years in the Clippers. I'm going to say he's going to double it, and I think he's going to get back to two blocks per game. I can't take two unders, can I? <laughs> No, we don't have to put that up. We don't have to. Uh, we already did a free throw. We're just doing one for each player. I'm just saying that's what I'm going to say for blocks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. And I think, honestly, sadly, part of this is Dennis and Luca are going to allow so many people to drive by them and go to the basket. He's going to have more <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> what a comment. I mean, that's hilarious. let's be real here. It's, it's a rookie defender you know, coming to the NBA who's already known to have slow feet. So, Yeah. 
So, yeah. So my stat line for DeAndre this year, 12 points, 15 rebounds, 2 blocks per game, 60% from the free throw line, and 70% from the field. That's my best case, what I think will happen for him. There you go. Guys, thanks so much for listening to our DeAndre Jordan preview. Again, if you didn't listen to our podcast talking about Harrison Barnes' injury and the Jimmy Butler rumors, go back and listen to that one in the feed. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. The next time you hear our voices, Luka Doncic <sighs> should have already played a game in a Dallas Maverick uniform. That made me happy. All right. Yes. That's I'm excited insane. about that. Peace out. Boom.